Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the Paul Norton podcast. Now today's podcast is a guest and a really special guest. This guest is an amazing coach in aspects to mindset to female fat loss and his knowledge is next to none. Shane Walsh Fitness, I've known Shane now for about 12 months now and I can honestly say that he is a very, very genuine guy and he's one of the good guys in the fitness industry because as you know for me that fitness is a great passion of mine and it breaks my heart when I see all these fads and all these stuff that goes on that shouldn't be going on and Shane is an absolute gentleman he has been a great friend of mine for the last year and this podcast was i learned so much stuff like i took around two notepads of information from what we talked about in this podcast we chat all things female fat loss and mindset and i know you're really really going to enjoy this podcast so without further ado i hope you enjoy and let me know as always how you find it Hello. so i guess first of all it is a pleasure to have you on shane thank you my man thank you so much for having me so i've kind of followed you for a while now and um, stalking me touch, yeah telling you it's been a pleasure but i suppose the first thing is it'd be great to tell everyone who shane walsh is uh so where do i start so shane walsh is an online coach based in dublin uh the owner of shane walsh fitness and i've got two coaches working with me now as well jane and dallas and i suppose that where to start really is i used to have a real job as i used to call it a corporate job for probably about five or six years uh came out of college not really want to know knowing what i wanted to do it came out kind of the time recession in ireland and then went into getting up in the bank, ended up in sales and marketing, and then fell into kind of recruitment, sales and marketing side of things. And wasn't really happy. Recruitment wasn't for me, but I kept job hopping. And then in April 2017, I started a new job on the Monday. And then on that Saturday morning, the following one, uh, I woke up with my arm very, very swollen. So I was like, what the hell is going on here? So the arm was probably about that big. Yep. Uh, and the elbow had fluid in it. So I went, drove myself to hospital, probably not the greatest decision I've ever made <laughs> in my life. And I was in hospital, kept in hospital for a week. So it turned out I had two blood clots in my left arm, uh, one up here and one at the top of the forearm. And I had to get surgery, had to get the veins opened up. And then about two weeks later, I went back into the office and collapsed on my desk with fluid on my lungs within half an hour of sitting at my desk. So that wasn't ideal. And that was just, they never figured out what happened. They never figured out what was the problem, but I took it as a sign of that my body and I was just generally depressed. And I, I wasn't happy, fell into a very, very, very dark place. I was going to do something very stupid. And I heard a quote on a certain podcast uh, by Brian Keane and stop caring what other people think. And that would made me realize I actually needed to go and talk to someone. So I went to talk to someone. I was put on pills and all that kind of shite before going to talk to someone and they made me feel very very bad and they were doing the opposite of what they were meant to be doing and i was like right i'm gonna try and get fit started with joe wicks uh i know people will not like joe wicks but joe wicks has, has genuinely helped me a lot 
uh, and then went down the route of becoming a PT. So I went traveling, became a PT uh, in fully qualified since February 18, I think I said to you a second ago before we came on. Uh, and then yeah it's swf has grown massively now so it's mainly coaching females um i got jane and dallas working with me now so it's great you're definitely one of the people that i've seen because female fat loss is probably a tricky one is not many people are actually into it i know from a lot of my clients that they'll come to me and they'll say that there's not many coaches that actually speak out about female fat loss and the complications that come with fat loss and females yeah, no, I would, I would tend to agree. It's kind of like a taboo subject because even if you think about it for like, it's only being spoken about now and there's the empowerment movement behind it and a lot more women are kind of coming out of talking about it. Because even if you think about it in Catholic Ireland, we didn't really talk about sex. We really didn't talk about condoms. We didn't talk about anything for ages. It was like the, the big red uh, bear in the room and no one really talked about it. So for men to be speaking about it, for coaches to be speaking about it a little bit more because... 51% of the population in the world is female. So there's so many different stages for a woman to go through. So it's understanding the psychology, understanding the different elements of it. And the biggest thing for me as a coach, what I've really, really figured out is that every single one of my clients, every single girl out there is completely different. They'll have different coping mechanisms or not coping mechanisms that have different cycles, length, length, longevity, pains, period pains, nausea, migraines, uh, different cravings and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it's a break. Like we'd all talk about kind of like, kind of, it's like, we need to be embraced being different. And it's about understanding you because if a girl doesn't understand their own body, how can they, how can they get their partner to understand their body? How can they understand, how can they get their partner to understand them at certain times of the month? And I think that needs to be brought in. And I think if we keep talking about it, keep talking about it, um, something will change. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely got better. But as you says, like, it's crazy how every female is be different. But I find that so much like females with just social, social media and stuff that they're always comparing themselves Sally down the road. And that's probably the biggest, the big mindset thing is that from my point of view is that Every female that I ever come across, they get so hooked up at what others are doing. What's your experience yeah. with that? I think the big quote is comparison is a thief of joy. So if anyone knows me or my clients know me, there's a book called The Daily Stoic and they talk about comparison is a thief of joy. So we're like, as humans, we always compare ourselves to others, whether it's our careers, family, car, job, bank balance, whatever it may be. And PTs and coaches are really bad at it because also because they're like, how many clients have you got? And you're kind of like, you get a little bit of imposter syndrome there. So with, with kind of like the whole idea of with comparing, it's you don't want we don't necessarily understand where someone has started from. So if you're looking at you, when someone's looking up at a transformation up on social media, they don't understand how long that's taken. They don't understand where that person's come from. They don't understand where that person has, what diets they've tried, what they failed, their internal, their mental state, what foods they've tried, uh, their eating behaviors, eating behaviors and their training and stuff. They they don't necessarily know the full story. We only see a little snippet. We see the success story. We don't see the whole full story behind it. And that's the big thing that I try to get on with my clients is trying to do the client interview so they can actually talk about their insecurities talk about what they've struggled with talk about that side of stuff because not a, not a lot an awful lot of people actually want to talk about that kind of thing um because we just think this highlight reel that's all we look at and social media is the king of it we look at people for, for 15 seconds on a story and we think these people have made it but from talking for so many people on the podcast 
it's you talk you talk to them and they're like they're really struggling you can see you can hear that in their voice they talk about it all fair that they're really struggling we don't understand what these people go through we don't understand that everyone has their same difficulties everyone has something that they don't like about themselves everyone has something that they don't like and it's important for us to kind of say to yourself right would i swap places with them would am i actually genuinely unhappy in my body what's what is it, is it going to be any benefit for me to actually compare my journey to someone else's because if you keep comparing your journey you're never going to stop or never going to start or never going to keep going you're better off focusing on yourself and sometimes a tr- and if you're looking at some a, a progress picture it may trigger you to kind of give you a kick up the arse but it also could be a negative thing so it depends how you work i know when if i get negative feedback or negative something like that it fuels me but I know beforehand, I would have taken it really personally. So you've got to identify what kind of person you are, look at internally and kind of actually say, right, am I intrinsically motivated or am I externally motivated? Am I actually only looking for uh, praise from other people because of how I look externally while the inside is playing, is playing havoc and my mental health is shit? Or actually, do I want to be happy with myself? Having your proper reason why will get you to where you want to go. Blaming motivation, blaming willpower are two of my pet peeves. If you blame motivation, motivation's like is like driving a car. Motivation is getting into the car, but you have to drive it to your destination. And then if you're stuck in where you're, you're going, you'll end up blaming willpower. But willpower is not going to, willpower is like a battery. It runs out eventually. And then this decision fatigue comes in. You start picking, start picking little different foods. But if you really, really understand why you're doing something that any, there's a quote by, I think it's a German philosopher called Nietzsche. He or she who has a why can, can bear, can, he or she who has a why can bear almost anyhow. Um, so if you have a proper why, why you actually want to do something, bring an emotional attachment to why you want to do something. Is it for the kids? Is it to get them photos? Is it to have energy to play with your kids? Is it to it has to be intrinsic it can't only be extrinsic because i guarantee if you get into down to certain body fat percentage you'll be like i want more that happens so often i know not many people realize that i know myself when i got down to like nine percent body fat i was like this this is the goal and i was there and i was like i can't even bring my hand to feed myself i was like i couldn't <laughs> i had no energy i was so miserable uh, it wasn't worth it so it's kind of like, well, I need to find a balance in between the two rather than being overweight compared to being uh, 8% body fat or 9% body fat. So it's about finding a happy medium. It, girls struggle with a lot more because girls are a little bit harder from, on themselves. And that's from social pressures. The media has pushed on them the, the ideology of being on a diet all the time. Magazines, programs, those kind of stuff have always, always pushed diet culture on them. And it's very hard to kind of snap out of that. But now there's a movement going towards the likes of building muscle, getting toned, which is means build muscle, growing glutes, looking strong, being strong internally and mentally. And that's the dynamic that we want to go down rather than trying to be slim or thin or whatever it may be and trying to move away from that. But if you're looking at someone else's stories and you're getting triggered by them, why look at them? Why not just get rid of that person's account off your social media? That would be a hell of a lot easier. But I guess you're, it's the same as us as coaches. Like you're only going to see, you're never going to see the work in the background. Like, you know, and a lot of stuff on social media is always going to be the best of what it is. Like no one's going to show the picture of people struggling. No one's going to put up the stuff that, you know, is not social media pretty and all the rest. So I think that's the biggest thing is that just not to, just realize that the backgrounds, like people work hard in the background and like we don't see that work. Same as us. Like we don't really see what goes in the background, but when it comes to motivation, that's actually quite good because 
think you want to be stalking my phone. I was actually talking to a lot of my clients today about that whole why. And I've got a post this evening on the same thing as having a why. Because for me, like I've only found this recently and I suppose I've been working with you as a coach the last couple of weeks that having a why, like it's, there's no point just exercising just for the crack or, you know, eating clean for the crack. You have to have a reason. And for me and my clients, and you're the same with your clients, is that the why, as you said, is about having a better life, like having a better life for your kids, your family. And I think so much social media, to me, like it, what I've learned is that it doesn't, it doesn't portray that. It portrays fitness as a six pack and big delts and big arms and big bums. But fitness to me is, is a completely different mindset. Yeah, and I would agree with you on that. I think when people can get coaches, and I know I've done this before, as I'm talking from experience, in that you're relying on potentially the coach to motivate you, and that's not gonna, that's not gonna go very well. You need to understand realistically at the beginning of why you actually want to do something. It's too easy to say, right? I want to lose weight. That's not a big enough goal. That's not a goal. That's literally a statement. And if you if you really want to lose weight, you probably we would be there already. It's about understanding what you actually want to do. Is it that you want to get into a dress? Is it when you want to get into photos? Is it when you have energy with your kids and find the balance for yourself? But if you're saying that you only want to lose weight as your goal, that's not a big enough goal for yourself. That's purely extrinsic uh, and bring an emotional attachment to it. And it's funny you there meant about the, the whys and the five whys. Ask yourself why five times when, you, when you're trying to pick your why. Well, I want to lose weight. Why? Because I can feel more comfortable myself. Why do I want to feel more comfortable myself so I can get into photos with my kids? Why do I want to get photos in with your kids so that they can have some of my grandkids and they'll have memories of me when, when they're older so they'll, remem- they'll actually remember who I am. There's, there's the proper why um, for anyone. And I think that's that needs to be latched onto a hell of a lot more and a little bit more digging um, and actually getting a little bit more uncomfortable with the thoughts because a lot of people, when they get to about the third why, they start to get a little bit uncomfortable. And then that's where it's kind of like third why is generally where they stop. But if they dig down a little bit deeper, they, they, they'll, they'll get to the proper deep root cause of what they actually want to do. I actually I think you are stalking my phone. I was talking to clients today. <laughs> the, the exact same things actually three um girls today, and I just got them to on the voice note just to write down a list of why you're doing and, and five whys. So um that's interesting. I guess back to basics then. What is the biggest difference between males and females? Like why is it that a, a female has a harder time losing weight compared to male? So Genuine kind of lads are losing weight and women are losing weight. Kind of like the averages of what the average weight loss for a man and a woman are very different on what they can lose on a week. So generally a decent rate of weight loss for a girl would be kind of like half a pound to a pound a week. For a lad, a lad can lose up to two pounds per week and still be okay. It depends on the lad, depends on weight they have to start off with, depends on the starting point. But if you look at it, so man and a woman, man has puberty, and then it has life. Testosterone will go up and down a little bit. Woman has a hell of a lot more to deal with. Women has puberty. They've got their cycles. They've got perimenopause. They've got pregnancy. They've got menopause, postmenopause. They could have PCOS. They have. They could have uh, endometriosis. They could have uh, amenorrhea. There's so many more factors at play uh, for them. So women have a little bit more body fat percentage. Uh, and the main reason for that is to protect protect the reproductive organs in their body so that they can have babies and produce women's choice on that, of course. Uh, but 
women tend to need a little bit more carbohydrates, a little bit more fats in their bodies to kind of keep their reproductive systems going. And generally when those reproductive systems aren't going is when amenorrhea happens and their body isn't happening. And lads can potentially eat a little bit more fuel because there's a little bit more muscle mass on them. Uh, and then normally lads are a little bit taller, they're a little bit broader uh, and they, they can have a little bit more food. So when they potentially go on a diet, that kind of higher end calories um, can be dropped down. But there's no like, I know the media and all this kind of stuff say like women need 2000 calories and lads need two and a half thousand calories. That's a big load of horse shit. Because if someone was say 58 kilos as a girl and someone was 120 kg as a girl, they're not going to need 2000 calories. It's about figuring out what they need. And every girl is completely different. Um, with the With the cycles and stuff, it's very, very important to understand what's going on in your body and very, very important to understand what's actually going on. Like every single woman is different. I've worked with hundreds and hundreds of women trying to educate them on the cycle. The podcast is out there as well. I think it's important to understand what different stages happens for different girls as well and when to eat a little bit more, which I think is kind of like anti-diet culture, having to eat a little bit more at a certain time of the month to actually fuel yourself, fuel your workouts. Um, I think, do you want me to go through the phases? Yeah, might as well yeah. So the main, the four main phases, so there's the menstrual phase, there's the follicular phase, there's the ovulation phase and the luteal phase. So the menstrual phase is generally kind of the cycle week. That's when mother nature comes along and cramps, tender breasts, mood swings, irritability, all that kind of stuff comes along. And it generally lasts for three to seven days on average, if you have a regular cycle. Uh, those numbers are generally kind of like a regular cycle is 28 days or 32 days. Uh, it could be a little bit longer. So it's important to track your cycle. So get the likes of Kandara or Clue or a good old fashioned pen and paper to track your cycle. Once you understand the, the highs and lows of where what's happening in your body and do that for two or three months, you can live the life that you want to live. You can understand your body and how to fuel yourself. Then you've got the follicular phase, which starts in the first day of your period. So there's a little bit of overlap. And this is when the FSH uh, is released. Uh, this is when the hypothalamus, which is your kind of your regulation center, your hormone regulation center in your brain uh, is in charge of releasing the hormones and the raising of the body temperature. So you may have a little bit more 30% of girls could have issues with their sleep around this particular time. Um, so this generally lasts from 11 to 27 days. Um, and around that time, the kind of the maturing eggs uh, sets off a surge in estrogen and the thickening of the line of your uterus. This creates a nutrient-rich environment for the embryo to actually grow. Then you have, you have the ovulation phase, which is generally ovulation. So first kind of two weeks post-bleed, your estrogen, which is the female hormone, is going to rise up. And then the last two, the estrogen is going to dip down and your progesterone kind of increases like so. Okay, so I'm not sure if you're even putting this up on your videos, but I'm going to do the hand gestures anyway. Uh, <laughs> but your estrogen and progesterone are your two main hormones as a girl. They're your yin to your yang. Your, your estrogen kind of raises up your mood, uh, gets you a little bit horny, all that kind of stuff. And it's, a main, it's at the height of its power on ovulation week to, around kind of when you're going to get pregnant. And then it dips down afterwards and progesterone takes over and that's your calming hormone. And that's going to chill you out a little bit more. So around the kind of ovulation phase, you've got a slight body temperature increase thicker discharge uh, as well and it kind of lasts for about 24 hours so that's generally the, the 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 right time to kind of actually try to have a baby um if you try outside of that to have a baby or out at those kind of rough loads kind of couple of days um then you maybe well as having sex with a doorknob it's not going to happen um then you've got the luteal phase and this is generally kind of like the 
generally like the week before bloating breast swelling um it can generally can average length is about 14 days for someone with a 28 day cycle but only about 12 percent of women have a 28 day cycle so it's quite quite rare uh the little phase lasts for about 11 to 17 days um so like there's a hell of a lot there and it's about understanding identifying what's actually happening uh for those for those different stages um and then there's there's training phases when what, what you can do it depends on the girl some girls can feel a little bit more tired at certain times of the month so they may not be able to train as hard on the week of but some other girls may be fine that they may be able to train properly on the, or for, proper around that time but if you're feeling fatigued reduce hit sessions potentially the week before or the week of or it could even be ovulation week for some people as well push your sessions on a little bit more uh increase your weights increase your tempo increase your your reps or whatever it may be train hard during the follicular phase is generally the advice but it has to be the girl dependent to get decent rest during your lula phase but some girls can need it on the menstrual phase it all so much depends uh on those side of things that's that the cycle is, is something that i'm big on as well and I guess from your experience, what is your experience with females with cravings in around that luteal phase? Everyone's going to be completely different. Some girls don't get PMS or PMT. Some girls do. Um, generally, kind of around those certain times, it's important to understand what, what foods actually go, kind of go for. And generally what happens is the metabolism speeds, speeds up a little bit. Um, so it's like going from Dublin to Galway on half a tank of petrol and you need to kind of top it up a little bit. So what we need to try and do is when we kind of get a little bit more tired and fatigue can kind of set in for around that time, our body or our brain's primary source of food for getting more energy into our body is carbohydrates or sugar. Our body doesn't necessarily crave a certain food. It can't crave a certain food. It's not how it works. Uh, if it was a bag of sugar, if, if, if you crave sugar, you'd stick a head in a bag of sugar. But people forget that fruit is in sugar. Uh, or sugar yeah sugars and fruit should I say so we need to kind of make sure that we kind of like adequately increase our calories around the little phase so potentially if someone say on a bag this is a number out of my head this is not me prescribing a calorie range if someone is on 1600 calories a day kind of coming up normally for those kind of first two weeks post bleed 1600 calories and they're consistently sticking to those we may need to increase your calories to around 1800 for around that time if you need a little bit more by all means, have a little bit more. This around the time, you may have a little bit more cravings, a little bit more anxiety, maybe triggered. You may feel a little bit more touchy. They may feel a little bit more uh, hornier as well. So I would potentially look at reducing your caffeine, reducing your alcohol, because um, if your mood isn't amazing, alcohol is not going to help that. And if you have anxiety, the whole thing of caffeine can kind of increase your your anxiety around that. The kind of the, the foods and stuff that would probably be recommended would be increase your protein. Protein is a little bit more satiating than most foods. So it takes a little bit more for your body to actually uh, digest it. So it can take a little bit more calories to actually burn it. More fats, because you need to keep making sure that your hormones are staying in check. So fats, and there's a little bit more calories and fats. Being mindful of your carbs. So carbs are not bad for you. So if carbs were bad for you, the Japanese diet would be uh, obsolete. So with the Japanese diet, they have a 54% uh, diet of carbohydrates and yet they have the least the lowest obesity rate in the in the developed world so carbs are not bad for you so with carbohydrates it's being mindful of what carbohydrates because if you go for white carbohydrates like bread and stuff which are not bad for you but they're going to spike up your blood sugars really quickly and then crash them back down so you're going to want to eat the wool um 
pretty quickly. So I'm sure there's people like this, this makes a lot of sense now. So if we go for a lot more whole grain carbohydrates, like brown rice, quinoa, all that kind of stuff, go for whole grain options. It will steady your blood sugars a lot more. Eat more regularly. Most people will go from breakfast to dinner with having nothing and then eat the press in the evening. To regulate your blood sugars, have smaller meals throughout the day. Three meals, two snacks, three meals, three snacks, whatever it may be. More protein, uh, more veggies to fill up your stomach. So if you think of your stomach like a bag, you're going to fill it up with volume. So the fruit, the veggies are going to fill up your stomach a little bit more. Fruit will help with the cravings. One of the recipes that I kind of go and kind of suggest to my clients is Greek yogurt or soya yogurt. A uh, couple of squares of dark chocolate because there's magnesium in it. Uh, magnesium can soothe uh, the cravings and stuff as well. Um, a little bit of chia seeds and flax seeds because we need to make sure that you're going to the bathroom for the fiber and then the fruit and blueberries and blackberries and stuff. So if you're not going to the bathroom, you're feeling uncomfortable and you can get constipated, increase your water, um, making sure that you are going to the bathroom because the only way to get rid of your old cycle is to poo it out. So that's the only way you can do it. So if you're getting constipated coming up to the week before or week of, may need to increase your fiber. You may need to increase your veggies, may need to increase your actual water and manage your stress. So if you're getting completely stressed all the time and you're kind of getting a little anxious, bring in some walking. If you're feeling like fatigued and you may not be able to train, just go for a walk. Walking has huge, huge benefits of kind of reducing the window and reducing the symptoms. That's pretty accurate. I guess one of the dust leads on the next topic of food, which is something that's quite big. You know, this whole calorie in, we all know that weight loss generally comes from calories and in and out. But I think for me and all my clients that fitness is a lot, there's weight loss is a lot more than just calories. And I think we are going through a bit of an era where every kind of coach or PT on the corner is all about calorie deficit, calorie deficit. And for me, I've come across a lot of people who count calories can be quite damaging. It, it, you know, it's quite, it can be quite damaging and detrimental to them. So I guess what is your experience from that end with calories and how to manage relationship with food? It's very different for everyone. Um, that's the biggest thing. Um, we're all very unique in our kind of input of information and how we adapt to it. And if you've had an eating disorder, all that kind of thing, I think it's important to go and talk to a mental health professional. So if you're purging or any of that, I think it's hugely important. Like I'm doing a CBT course at the minute. Uh, Dallas is one of the other coaches, is a training psychologist and he's doing a CBT course. So we're working towards that, but it's, it's, it's staying in our lane. And that's the hardest part for a lot of PTs and coaches is staying in their lane and not being afraid, not being afraid to outsource uh, or refer to counselors or whatever it may be. Uh, so every single girl is completely different. Every single person is completely different. And there's a, I think even in males during lockdowns, I think there's a 60% increase in eating disorders amongst men in Ireland during lockdown. Yes. So it's not only women. And that's what, that's one of the big things is a stigma attached to the eating disorders. That's only girls. Lads yeah. do struggle as well. Body dysmorphia is a huge thing, uh, which is not being happy with your body, comparing yourself to other people, which is a huge thing for counting calories. Do I believe everyone should counting calories? No, uh, I would say, I would say 40 or 50% of my clients don't count calories and have never counted calories. Uh, and we just focus on getting your regular meals into your body, getting your protein, your fats, your carbohydrates, and your veggies into your meals, each meal, as much as you can. And that's the emphasis, as much as you can. Because what happens to an awful lot of people is they try to be perfect. They try to have, they think they have to have a perfect diet, they have to have a perfect lifestyle. But if we realize that, that perfection doesn't actually exist, it's like my hairline, it doesn't exist. So 
we kind of go the whole thing of when perfection comes in, when perfection is one of the biggest traits that a perfectionist tries to do is they try to control everything. But we can't control everything. We can't control the weather. We can't control the news. We can't control COVID. So if we can't control everything, then we can't be perfect. So then when we can't be perfect, guilt comes in and guilt comes from not meeting our, or matching up to our expectations. So there's this vicious circle of the guilt perfectionist loop. And a lot of people don't understand that they try to be perfect all the time. Then they get guilty when they go off plan or they have a chocolate bar or they have had ice cream or they've had a takeaway. And then they're like, no, I'm going to press the fuck up button and, and throw everything out the window. So that's important to kind of say to them, come up with tools of how to actually cope with those events pressing reset the next day one meal out of 21 meals is not going to derail your progress one night out out of a in 7 14 days 21 days whatever maybe won't derail your progress but it's important for you to well press reset the next day i know when people are hung over and get a little bit more tired they generally when we get tired we go to our lowest form of training so we tend to go for more carbohydrate rich foods there's nothing wrong with them but they're going to spike up your sugars your blood sugars and crash them back down with the whole element of kind of like working with someone around their eating habits on the calls and stuff, it's really, really important. We have questions on our questionnaire and we ask them what they've done, what they've tried, why did they think they failed and kind of ask them those proper questions. Are they perfectionists? Are they, are they all or nothing approach? That side of things. But we need to try and say, right, that hasn't worked for you before. So why is it going to, why, why is it going to suddenly come with us? So one of the big things that we try to work on is kind of actually mindful eating. And what mindful eating for one person is going to look completely different to another person. So one of the things we bring in is actually pausing. There's a few things. We have a food or mood journal. So writing down how you feel before the food, during the food and after the food. Do you recognize as there a certain food or an emotion that you're actually soothing or anything like that? There's another thing that we try to work on is the regular meals to try and keep the blood sugars heavy or to keep the keep the blood sugars steady, should I say. Uh, there's another thing called the HALT system. So if you're, most people would tend to get a little bit more bored and emotions will tend to come up in the evenings because they potentially haven't eaten a lot during the day. People are struggling right now. Um, so please do go talk to a mental health professional. People are struggling right now. The evenings, a lot of people are struggling with boredom, loneliness, anger, resentment, all this kind of stuff. They may not have the most ideal home situation. But one of the things that we try to work on is right, cravings do go away. So the question to ask yourself, is it head hunger or tummy hunger? So if it's head hunger, it's an emotion. What emotion are you actually feeling? So if it's an emotion, work on the emotion for 20 minutes and write down how you're feeling. It could be, I feel sad because something, someone was, something was said to me. Wait 20 minutes. If you still want the food in 20 minutes, by all means, go and have it. But wait that 20 minutes pause because cravings do go away it's this it's just like hang on do i actually want this it's like light bulb moment oh there's crisps in the in the press i'm going to go and eat them pause take a big deep breath in for four seconds exhale for four seconds and actually say to hang on am i actually hungry here and would i eat a raw stick of broccoli hungry or am i just looking for a, a something to soothe me am i looking because i'm bored potentially go for a glass of water potentially go for a bit more fruit if you're looking for sugar there's, there's sugar in fruit have a little bit of to take two squares of dark chocolate, have magnesium, put the two, put the squares of chocolate back, go back to where you were, wait 20 minutes. If you want more, go for more. But and people will say that's so easy putting a chocolate bar away, blah, blah, blah. I get it. But if you can pause even 1% of the time, that's 1% better than you potentially wanted to be or where you were beforehand. 
The other option you could do is keeping a food diary or food log rather than tracking. So actually writing down what you're eating and not weighing your food, weighing your food, I wouldn't recommend unless you're a bodybuilder because then they're the small margins for you. But for general, John and Mary down the road, weighing your food, it can be a little bit, um, a little bit addictive. And if you're coming from an eating disorder background, talk to a mental health professional. But what they say about that is kind of like three regular meals, three snacks would probably be the recommendation for them. Um, just to kind of get into a routine of eating regularly, because what happens is when they don't eat regularly, they tend to binge. And a binge is the word that's kind of moved, is kind of out there an awful lot. Um, and it's with binges, it can come from restriction. So if you're taking out the foods you actually enjoy, and then it's put in front of you in abundance, you're going to want it. But you also have to identify the emotional trigger. Are you bored? Are you angry? Are you actually suppressing some emotion of like resentment or watching someone on stories? Have you been triggered by what something is said? Someone dig, dig a little bit deeper and get a little bit uncomfortable what you said. There's a lot of tactics, the whole system. Are you hungry? Are you hungry, angry, lonely, or tired? Pausing and waiting 20 minutes and kind of going for the food then. Writing down how you're feeling, a food diary, a journal those kind of stuff so there's a lot of little, there's a lot of tools but eating regularly definitely changes an awful lot of people's habits and behaviors i think environment's quite big too like if you're you know environment's quite a big one if you're in a house where everyone else is eating chocolate sweets and if you've got a house full of sweets and chocolates yeah. it's a hard one to stay away from and there's studies that show like that the environment plays such an important role like for that kind of stuff yeah I, I, I 100%. So I think particularly now I know that like if someone, if someone's partner or their housemates are kind of like picking a little bit more, they get pizzas and dominoes and all that kind of stuff into their house a lot more. Um, potentially having a conversation with someone is as in having a conversation with that person is kind of saying, right, I'm kind of trying to do this. And generally what can happen is people build this up in their house. We can't read people's minds. So we can't actually understand. We can't say what they're going to say. We can only guess. So you're potentially better off in saying it in a like a same way. Like, don't go at the person's kind of saying, "Well, I'm doing this. Do you mind if we kind of move your sweets into a press, or do we mind if you kind of like just have our takeaways and once a week? I'm trying to do this for myself at the minute. I'm really right, trying to look after myself. And then it's up to the person if they accept it. Um, some people won't want to do it, and that's completely up to them. But it's about controlling the environment as much as you can. Because if, so, if, if your housemates or your partner has the chocolate and stuff out, what will happen is it will decision fatigue and willpower. Will, will the, the, that kind of thing will kind of come in. And if, if you say no to something a few times, six, seven, eight, nine times, the 10th time you're going to reach for that food because you, you just can't say no uh, the, the next time. But I think it's important to actually have an open conversation. A lot of people don't communicate how they're feeling. An awful lot of people don't want to communicate with how they're feeling. So it's important to actually have that open chat with someone and understand exactly what's going on um, and kind of saying to them, like, I want to do this for me. Uh, is there any chance that we can kind of work on this together uh, and kind of say it that way? I, the communication is a huge element. Education is a big thing. I mean, you're very similar in the fact that, like, you're the very same as that, you know, trying to educate people on the best way. Because as you said, to lose fat and weight the principles is there but there's a lot more to it and one of the big things that i'm really big on helping people is that you know if you go out for just say if you're going out for a burger and chips down the road on a date night you know if you're 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 a male and female having the same amount of food it's going to be more detrimental for the female to 
just say burn off that same amount of calories. And big thing for me is that is talking to your partner and suppose for a male's point of view is understanding that a female has a harder time when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I'm quite big now personally myself. I'm going out with a female is that I'll say, Hey, do you want to share this burger and we get something else? Like, and, but I suppose that's just an education thing too. But what would be your views on that? Just say going out for dinners together with males and females. Yeah, so I think I, one of the things that I definitely brought in with clients over the lockdowns is making sure you have some sort of family night or a date night. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It could be a takeaway and a couple of glasses of wine if you want. Um, I'm making sure you're actually talking, communicating. No phones is huge and actually being present because if you're being more mindful with your food, you'd actually be surprised that you probably don't want all the food. If you actually like put down your knife or fork in between each bite, you'll probably recognize a lot more that you'd probably be fuller a lot quicker rather than trying to horse the food in because that's when that kind of the air kind of builds up in your stomach, you're a little bit more bloated. Regards to kind of eating, kind of going out for restaurants and takeaways, I think a lot of people are going to probably use the language of I'm going for the healthier option here. The likes of, say, if you're in Ireland and you're listening to this, the likes of Camille Thai and stuff, they have their calories up on their menu. So it could be a little bit easier to go for that. Uh, and that's what I do. Um, I If I'm going for a takeaway, I will generally go for a Camille Thai because... Um, it has the stuff on it has their macros on it and it's kind of like well how can i get my protein and there's veggies in this um that kind of thing but i think it's it's kind of changed the language of like oh I, I only have the healthy option because why not go for the actual option that you want to have why not actually say right i'm going to pre-reset the next day i'm going to win the next meal and change the language that way because if you keep saying like this meal is unhealthy or oh i need to have the healthy option that language in your head becomes your kind of like the the, the truth whatever we say majority of the time is what we're going to believe. And if we believe that this is unhealthy food or bad food, there's no such thing. It's uh, it's going to build up over time. And it, it, it's generally kind of beats, we, we beat ourselves up with girls and kind of going out for dinner. Um, it's, it's a fear of judgment of, of like what they're going to eat. Mm-hmm. I know with lads, oh, he, he has a decent appetite. He's a big lad. He, he has a decent appetite. And if girls get a burger or chips or whatever, maybe they potentially feel a bit of a social pressure saying the girl shouldn't really eat that. And I'm all of the opinion of, well, why can't you have that? It's, there's no, there's no difference. Uh, I think it's trying to move away from, and this is easier for some people, but it's trying to move away from, well, I, if I have this, I need to do this exercise wise. I need to have burned this amount of calories off to do this. That's not what it is. It's what we do on average. One meal out of 21 meals in a week isn't going to derail you. It's what you do on average. So potentially the next day, get more water into you. Try and get a decent wholesome breakfast into you. Don't starve or restrict yourself the next day because that hasn't worked for you before. So why do it again? definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results press reset potentially if you want to if you are counting your calories potentially bring your calories so if you're on 1800 calories bring it down to 1600 calories reduce them slightly but i would probably just focus on getting the decent habits of pressing reset getting wholesome water in, getting decent protein into your breakfast the next day get more fruit and veggies in and potentially just go for a walk and that could be added on to the date is just like right go for a walk on a coffee walking the dog bringing the kids for a walk whatever it may be so perception actually funny you say about the health jobs and like you know i think like um i was out last weekend somewhere and um a chicken caesar salad um actually has i think has two or three times more calories than two sourdough bread with scrambled eggs like so that's a great example of like salad is healthy perception yeah 
exactly and i think when people hear like i can't have a dessert i'm like well why can't you have a dessert like if you Mm. went for a couple of scoops of ice cream there's probably what 300 400 calories in it um there's it's like that's probably that's what three chicken fillets it's Mm. it's not it's it's not a huge amount like if you want to have the brownie have the brownie it could be a little bit higher in calories and Mm. stuff but why not try to focus on actually enjoying the moment being present putting the phone away rather than trying to beat yourself up. And if you're beating yourself up, asking yourself the internal dialogue of why, why am I beating myself up? Am I trying to be perfect? Am I trying to restrict myself? Because if you're restricting yourself, it's not going to end very well. Um, and this is where a lot of people panic. It's like, well, I can't have this. I can't have this. I'm like, why can't you have this? Because, because the diet, I'm like the plan. It's like, this isn't a plan. This isn't a plan. If someone's given you a meal plan, then it's a plan. And meal plans don't work for majority of people because it doesn't educate people. It's like, here's your, here's your food. And after about two or three weeks of it, they get bored and then they don't know what to do when they kind of go off the meal plan. And it's like, oh, then they're back to square one. So rather educating people is what I try to do. And I know you try to do it as well. Meal plans should be run away like the plague. I think they should be banned. I think for a majority of people, they're probably a cause of a lot of problems. And I think they should be banned in the industry. This industry is amazing, but it has a lot of negatives and it's not going to get regulated anytime soon but meal plans if it's not from a dietitian it shouldn't be used not like same as you like you have the perfect diet just about you know finding what works for you like when i was training with you i had more ice cream never had ice cream I was having ice cream every night ice cream is great ice cream is <laughs> key ice cream is i think that's one of the it's underrated more ice cream more ice cream i've never heard like i i got a mess from my coach he's like i'm I'm struggling to get my calories up at the minute so people are going to hate me for this and he's like here's have more ice cream like all right <laughs> i'm done yeah, so, ice like, cream. It, but yeah ice cream is like you know you look at so it's me ice cream with the bad guy because it has sugars in it but as you were saying before i used to actually talking to girls this morning in france about the same thing is that your body doesn't know what sugar is like it's just you know it's sugar isn't bad for you it's like i done a post last week actually and it was just something simple thing it was like a mars bar and like whatever it was a tablespoon of sugar but like the sugar tablespoon of sugar doesn't do much to you like it's not really gonna hit anything compared to a bar of chocolate just say so it's just educating people on the bigger picture isn't it yeah because i think for so long the media have the media have a responsibility of what what's going on with people's eating behaviors and eating habits they'll be like oh here's the next quick fix for a diet and if it's too good to be true, then it's it's absolute bullshit. So I wouldn't necessarily listen to it. The sugar thing gets demonized. Um, if, if sugar was bad for us, uh, then fruit will be banned. And last time I checked, fruit's fairly decent. It's actually quite useful for fiber, for digestion, for minerals, vitamins, for cravings. So it's quite beneficial. But when people hear sugar, it's like, no, I can't have that. I'm like, well, why can't you have that? Has that worked for you before? Um, if we restrict something, it's not going to end very well. It should be kind of like moderation looks something different. You mentioned about the perfect diet. The diet, like what Paul would do compared to what I would do would be completely different. So it's individual. Like potentially Paul works better off, I don't know, higher fats and I work better off higher carbs. It's about finding and testing out what works for yourself, about finding, right, can I get some protein into each meal? Can I get more veggies in? And a lot of people do struggle with the basics um of and this isn't coming from i've done this i've struggled i struggle with my weight all through my 20s um and the hardest part for me was like all these myths that were out there and it's 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 and there's so much information overload on social media that you don't know who to trust 
if they're a dietitian, they generally know what they're talking about. If they're a nutritionist, it gets a little bit more blurry. Um, but if someone is kind of spouting rubbish of like someone's saying something is kind of like banned or is bad food or a sin or run away, run, run, run away very fast. Carbohydrates are getting a bad rap. Like I'm really big on save the spuds. Everyone like seems to blame, <laughs> blame carbohydrates. Country man in you. Oh, jeez. But it's just crazy because, no, like, again, people don't really understand that you have a carbohydrate there. You know, one gram of carbohydrate could hold three grams of water, like, so. But there's not enough of that people know about. Like, the reason why we, like, switch females to gain weight on that, around our cycle is general, you know, the, I've, I've had clients who have gained four or five kg on the week before the period. But, and that then is generally when they'll then topple off the wagon and, eat everything around them and it'll feel bad and it gets worse and worse that circle yeah i think what like carbs carbs are hugely important carb uh, lara bryden on who's doing incredible work if you haven't got lara bryden's two books go get them and she talks about female health and like carbohydrates are hugely important for girls and and that's the one food that a lot of people think they're bad for them if you are out of a cycle age or having a cycle um carbohydrates are hugely important they kind of start the engine and they need to, they, they, you need to have that fuel in you. It gives you your energy. Um, it gives your body the energy. It's, it's, it's kind of, it, it's what it wants. It needs this energy. Your metabolism speeds up at certain times of the month. And the body needs a little bit more fuel around that time. And if we deplete it from carbohydrates or fats, well, then the, the cycle won't, won't work and your body won't function. And the health ramifications of not having a proper cycle osteoporosis, osteopenia, sarcopenia, having no cycle, they're endless. And I think it, rather than trying to say something is bad for us or rather than trying to say something we can't have, well, actually challenge yourself and say, do I know that as a fact or am I making this up or am I just kind of listening to hearsay? Actually reach out to people who you think are useful at points of information and actually reach out to those and probably work with someone that actually knows what they're talking about because a lot of people do go it alone and they get frustrated, they get frustrated, they get frustrated. I understand a lot of people are struggling financially, but there are options. There are free services out there with dietitians and all that kind of stuff as well. So there are free services, but it's important that if someone, if you're working with a coach and they're putting you on 1200 calories or 1300 calories, run away, <laughs> run away very, very fast and throw some ice cream at them while you're at it. Tell from the cast here. I suppose that leads to our next question is weight loss and fat loss. I know the difference in weight loss and fat loss, but from your opinion, what's the big difference? Because that's where a lot of people get hooked up is they don't know the difference in weight loss and actual fat loss. And if you look at most of my transformations, probably yours too, there's not a lot of weight difference in any of the pictures. It's, it's But a lot of people get hooked up on, I want to lose 10 kg and 15 kg. But I think I heard this from you, if you want to repeat it there, about going into a shop and buying a dress that's a 70 oh, yeah. kg dress. Yeah, I've yeah, this quote gets thrown at me a lot. <laughs> uh so yeah, when you when you go into buy a, a an outfit or when you can buy an outfit or you go online or whatever, you don't go into a shop looking for a size 70 kilos. You go into a shop looking for a size or you go by how your clothes feel. So if you are looking, if you are looking for kind of like uh a figure hugging thing, you go to Zara. If you're looking for a looser thing, you go to like Duns or HM or whatever it may be. So you're looking for an actual how the clothes feel. So why it's more important for you to see how you actually feel rather than trying to go biometric. And when people say, oh, I want to lose 10 kg. Well, I will pause straight away and ask about three questions. Like, okay, so 
when was the last time you were this weight? Oh, uh, in my 20s. And what age are you now? Oh, I've had three kids and I'm in my 40s. Okay, so one, your metabolism is probably a little bit slower now. Uh, two, your lifestyle can be changed and your priority is the kids. And three, it's probably not realistic with trying to lose that weight. Uh, depending on where they're starting from. If someone comes to me and they're like, I don't know, I'm going to pick a number out of my head and this isn't at anyone. If someone's 75 kilos and they want to lose 10 kg, that's a hell of a lot of weight. If someone is say 120, 130 kilos and they want to lose 10 kg, that's more realistic. But it's about trying to move away from the actual scales. So the difference between weight loss and fat loss. Weight loss is solely what's on the scales. The scales is your relationship between gravity and the piece of plastic on the floor at any one time. So if you step on it at say 9.15 in the morning and then you step on it again at 1 p.m., they're going to have two different readings. One, the, the, the stomach probably have a little bit more food in it. You may need to go to the bathroom. You may not have gone to the bathroom. A little bit more water retention. Girls at certain times of the month, there could be a little bit more fluctuations. And I've known girls that have had 13 pounds put on them on certain weeks. And one of the girls I know has like puts on two, two stone on uh, around certain times. So every single girl is different. So, and then the difference between that and kind of like the fat loss, fat loss is the actual, the measurements, are they going down? Are you feeling better in your clothes uh, and how you actually physically look? So when people are looking to get toned, uh, they are looking to actually build muscle. That's literally what that means. And that's when people, when people go on a deficit and they haven't lifted enough weights or they haven't had enough protein or haven't put on enough resistance training, they can look quite gaunt. And the problem is there that if you're looking quite gaunt, that can lead to serious problems when you're older in osteopenia, osteoporosis, particularly in females. And that can lead to literally bone health being not amazing. And then you look, you're going to look frail. So it's really, really important to kind of like build muscle, have decent adequates of protein. Um, so if you are a girl and you're not resistance training, 8.8 grams per kg of body weight. If you are resistance training, 1.2 grams per kg of body weight uh, per day of protein right, is hugely beneficial for yourself. But I always talk about non-scale victories. And non-scale victories are something that my clients have latched onto. I, I, it's funny how when you say something, you, you don't even think about it and someone latches onto something. And non-scale victories are, well, is your libido up? Are you feeling better in your clothes? Are you having sex with the lights on? Are you being able to have fun with your kids? Are you able to run 5K? Are you an unbroken or run 1K or 2K, whatever it may be? Are you able to get into a pair of jeans or a dress that you haven't been able to get into before? And changing the metric because we if someone's a perfectionist, they try to control everything, but we cannot control what's on that piece of plastic. And what I've had a lot of the girls do is throw the scales outside the window or throw it over the window or jump on into their car and drive over it with the car. And it's almost like, it's just like one of these kind of symbolic things. It's kind of like, well, this is my breakup from this because I know now how my body works. I think what a lot of girls will probably realize now is, or what I'm going to say now that this, what I'm going to say is going to make a lot of sense, comparing your like weeks for your like weeks. So if you are using the scales, compare your like weeks for your like weeks. So what I mean by that is, so what are we now? April. So if you use week one post bleed of your cycle in April and compare it to week one of your cycle post bleed in May, week two, week two, week three, week three, week four, week four, that'll be more accurate for you rather than comparing your week one post bleed to your actual week of. There's too many variables, too many different hormones at play that will fluctuate. So you compare like for like, because if you don't, it's like comparing black and white or an elephant on a pig, they're completely different things. Um, and we have to look at it that way. But I think 
if you are stepping on scales and you are in amazing mood and the first thing you do in the morning is jump on the scales and you feel like shit afterwards, you have to look internally and say to yourself, right, am I measuring my self-worth against a piece of plastic? Actually do some internal dialogue saying, right, if pause and before you go on and say, right, well, am I, am I less of a human before this goes up, before I step on this, if this goes up? And if your answer is, Yes, well, then I probably wouldn't step on it. But you've got to address the internal dialogue, what you're, what you're actually giving the power to the scales. If you view as success as the scales going down and failure as the scales going up, you're putting your actual human element of yourself in a piece of plastic. And you have to look internally and say, why is that? And then what generally kind of comes back is, well, Slimming Clubs did this to me. It's like, no, no, Slimming Clubs are there for one metric and they don't educate you. They say, right, jump on a scales, high five if you're down, uh, tut tut if you're up. That's literally what they do. It's not, it's not, it's, I don't particularly like slimming clubs. Um, and I've said it numerous times. I they're, they're useful for some things, for community, all that kind of stuff, but I don't think they're, they don't educate people. But if you're stepping onto a piece of plastic and kind of saying, I'm less of a human, I'm less of a person because of what's that said about me, you have to do, you have to look and say to yourself, like, what is this an actual truth? Am I creating this problem and saying I'm less of a person? I have failed. And generally what people will do is if they failed, when they step in the scales, they go, right, I'm going to have a whole lot of food. And then generally, well, other people uh, from the other side of things, well, I'm down. So I deserve this. They're both counterintuitive. I deserve this for what? For what? Gravity telling you that you're down weight. That doesn't really make any sense. Instead, why not? Like, it's a tool. It shouldn't be a death sentence. The scales is a tool. It's not a death sentence. Why not try to bring in your measurements? Measurements won't change every week. The scales is like um, a bank, is like your bank balance. It's going to go down. It's going to go up after payday. But you don't get annoyed when your bank balance goes up. You get annoyed when it goes down. It's kind of the opposite, but it's the same thing. Like, if you're putting your self-worth in your bank balance and you're putting your self-worth in your... Uh, on the weight and the scales, it, 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 there's something internally not going on right there. So you've got to address that and have a little bit more self-compassion to yourself and actually be, speak sounder to yourself um, and actually look at what how you're feeling when you actually do things and actually put look at the emotion and dig a little bit deeper into that. If you're like a better person looking at me, Shane, everything you say is exactly what I do as well. My clients, it's crazy. But that's the way it should be. I think there's, there's just so much people... Um, just don't see the small things as small wins. It's them like I'm really, you do your non-scale victory, but then I do with my clients is like weekly wins. So like they've got a journal team with a post, just the weekly wins. I do it daily from being at Morty, but they do like just weekly wins. And then once you can add up your weekly wins, like, you know, if you can get like five wins a week, that's like 20 wins a month. That's over 200 wins a year. Like, I know it's like no number on the scale is going to ever compare to like to what your wins can be. And, same as you, like I, I've had people who wins like having sex with lights on and having, you know, playing with their kids. And I always try to make sure of, if there is a weight loss win that has to be at the very bottom of that list, it can never be a top, it has to be at the very bottom. Because once you can then acknowledge all the other wins, then just things happen nicely, isn't it? Yeah, like you have to be able to look at what you can actually control. We can't control what the scale says. It's going to go up and down. It's like a heart rate monitor. It's going to be up and down and it's going to level off at certain points. So if our main striver is to something that we can't control, it's, 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 it's going to be not beneficial towards your mental health. 
And I think it's hugely important that you actually kind of say to yourself, like, why am I letting this run my life? Why am I letting this run my mind? Why am I letting this win over me every single time? You need to address the internal dialogue that you're actually doing uh, and writing down like at certain times before you step on it, how are you feeling before it? How are you feeling after it? And then you'll recognize a pattern. Is there certain times of the month that you're kind of recognizing the pattern? Is there certain times of the day or recognizing that it was after a stressful event or maybe having a row with your partner? Was there something that's happened that you're kind of, you're waking up in a shit mood, you step on something and then you're in a shitter mood or you're waking up in a great mood and you step on and then you're in a shit mood. If you're waking up and feeling good, why would you step on a piece of plastic if you know it's going to set you off? Well, I think it's important to dig down a little bit deeper and do that mood journal and say, right, how am I feeling this morning? Um, what can I do for myself today? Ask yourself that question. What can I do for myself today to win each day? And if that could be staying off the scales, step on the scales, take progress photos, do measurements. Um, like I, one of my clients, like she's done, so she finished, one of my long-term clients finished up with me yesterday. Like she's down nearly 50 pounds, but she's also Jeez. down like 50 or 60 inches off of her body. Well, I think this works out at about 130 centimeters in old money. Mm. And like, she took a video of what her old measurements was and put the, the measurement tape to where it was. So it was out here and then she was in here now. And that, that metric alone was like, she didn't realize that. And then she, when she got like 10 kg loss, or I think it was 10 kg loss, she lifted up her child and put it onto her back. And it's like, she lost, which helped, she didn't lose her child, but she lost, <laughs> the equivalent, she lost the equivalent of her actual child in weight off her body she's like how was i carrying that this around for so long um so it's important to kind of me measure yourself are you having more moments that you're with your kids are you having more moments with your family i'm bringing emotional attachment to it because once again with the intrinsic and extrinsic if you're if you're only looking for an extrinsic goal which is something that it says in the scales you you don't really know what your proper why is oh true that leads me to my probably last topic, which is a it's it's one that I know that you're quite good in is is PCOS on your I know that you've done you've got some experience in that and be good from your end of things. What is PCOS? Because I know it's quite a really common thing out there with females. Yeah, so PCOS is I think it's it's very common, and I don't think people a lot of, an awful lot of people realize what it actually is. And I know I didn't before I started becoming a nutritionist and stuff. And I was like, it affects one in ten women, so it's very very common um the exact common the exact cause of it is unknown they're not sure if it's genetic some say it's genetic some say it's not um and it's 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 common in women who are potentially overweight but there's also lean pcos as well um so someone could be walking at a kind of like a decent healthy weight but they may have pcos resistance it's a new one pcos needs a hell of a lot more research into it because it's only coming out now all the evidence is kind of coming out now and one of the most things that kind of comes into it is insulin resistance and it's a main factor and over 70 percent of women with pcos have insulin resistance and insulin is a hormone found in the body that controls glucose or your sugar levels in the blood and allows glucose to kind of be brought into your body cells for energy so uh, insulin resistance when the body's tissue doesn't respond to the normal level of insulin and the body uh, has to produce extra insulin to, co to compensate the kind of the, the excess insulin and kind of increase the production on activity of male hormones like testosterone. Um, so they're kind of like, there's a common, there's a few diagnoses that kind of go around um, for it as well. And the kind of the, the ultrasound isn't good enough. Um, 
because it won't des- it won't diagnose cysts. Um, they'll they'll diagnose follicles and eggs and stuff, but they won't necessarily do that. The Dutch test is very very useful for diagnosis. Um, there is a the, there is a really good method provided by the Angen XS and PCOS Society, and they kind of say that if women have all three criteria of irregular periods, polycystic ovaries high androgens on a blood test or symptoms of high androgens such as excess hair growth uh, other reasons for, for high, high androgens and uh, have been ruled out as well so if you kind of match with those that's more realistic uh, there are other methods and stuff but the one the dutch test on the androgen excess pcos method is kind of like the most realistic one um so like there's there's kind of some of the symptoms can include irregular periods heavy bleeding hair growth acne weight gain it can be those with pcos can may have a metabolism that's maybe up to like 40 percent slower than someone who doesn't have it so say if someone is on a diet with their friend and their friends have to have 2000 calories um and be able to lose weight and the person with pcos at 72,000 calories they may struggle they may need to reduce it a little bit more because the metabolisms are a little bit slower. Male pattern baldness, darkening of the skin, uh, headaches, that side of stuff. It's hugely important to understand what your actual symptoms are and understanding what type of PCOS you have. So there's four main types. There's insulin resistance, PCOS, which I spoke about. Um, and the high insulin leptin impede ovulation. So generally with PCOS, the cycles can be irregular. They can be 35 days. I've had some girls with 50 or 60 day cycles. Um, so it's hugely important uh, to understand what's going on there. So it, the first step of the, some of the treatments for insulin resistant PCOS is kind of like reduce your sugar intake um, because high dose fructose is a major contributor to insulin resistance. Uh, you could also potentially look at intermittent fasting. Uh, some people won't want to do that. Some people do want to do that. Um, the kind of supplements that kind of are, are better for are magnesium, uh, magnesium glycinate, uh, lipoic acid, inositol and berberine. But if you're taking berberine, um, if you have gut issues, please don't take it. Uh, and if you are taking it, only do it for eight weeks. Um, and if you have mental health issues, please do not take it. And a lot of girls with, P- with PCOS will have mental health issues. So it's being mindful of that. The pill is not a treatment for this type of PCOS uh, because it impairs insulin sensitivity. Um, so it can take a while to manage it. Um, but I've seen the best results in the likes of magnesium because it can soothe cravings and ease cravings. I've seen the best results in inositol, myo-inositol uh, as well. Uh, and then there's post, post-pill PCOS. So as it says in the tin, like Ronsil, it suppresses ovulation. So for most women, it's a temporary effect and ovulation will resume so shortly after you kind of come off the pill uh but for some it may kind of induce that if you if you didn't have the pill or if you didn't have a cycle before um going on the pill well then the pill shouldn't have been given to you in the first place but if you if you if you've come off the pill and you had a normal cycle before that and hasn't come back after like three four five six months then i would go and I'd kind of talk to someone so that the treatment for that is if your lh or your luteinizing hormone is elevated the herbal uh, treatment like peanut peony and licorice combination um if your prolactin is higher normal then the best uh, treatment is vitex but please don't take vitex if you have mental health issues or you're pregnant uh, the kind of you may also see vitex labeled as chasbury or chastry and uh, do not use Vitex if your LH is elevated. Uh, Vitex stimulates LH, so it will make things a lot worse. Um, 
both Peony and Vitex work on your Petruti ovarian axis, and they are very, very powerful herbs. So I, I, they, they are useful. Um, so with Vitex, you kind of take, uh, you, you can take it each day, and it's, it's huge, 400 milligrams is kind of the recommended dose for that. The next one is inflammatory PCOS, uh, which is a chronic immune activation, uh, results from stress, environmental stress, intestinal permeability, and inflammatory foods such as like gluten or A1 casein. Uh, inflammation is a problem for PCOS because it's impedes ovulation, which is generally what kind of like the cycle is generally built about and builds up to. Uh, disrupts hormone receptors and stimulates adrenal uh, androgens such as DHEA. Um, so some of the some of the treatments include reducing stress. Most people are stressed to the hilt right now, which is understandable. Uh, reduce stress and reduce your kind of toxic environment. Uh, reduce potentially looking at kind of plastics and less plastics and pesticides, and look and reducing those. Eliminate um, inflammatory foods or reduce them. Wheat, dairy, sugar. Uh, treat intestinal permeability with zinc. Uh, berberin and probiotics um so if you have ibs the the kind of the strain of probiotic that you potentially tailored to you will be one called lactobacillus plantarium but you, you don't take a probiotic if it's not tailored to you otherwise you're just you're just taking something it has to be completely tailored to you uh, you could potentially look at supplementing magnesium because of its anti-inflammatory qualities and it normalizes and uh, adrenal hormones which is your stress hormone and an improvement is slow and gradual over like six to nine months. And the last one is kind of an adrenal PCOS. That means you have elevated adrenal engines such as DHEAS. Uh, you have normal levels of testosterone and you may ovulate regularly. Adrenal PCOS accounts for about 10% of PCOS diagnosis. Um, so it's, it's, it's hugely important to kind of look at which one you have. There are different tests. There is a criteria. So if you type in Lara Bryden and her piece for different types of PCOS, you'll see the, the questions to ask clients and understand which one you have. It's important to understand which tests are suitable to which one, like the insulin resistance one, the, the different tests for post-PCOS, but I would highly recommend to kind of talking to, talking to your doctor. So the, the, with nutrition, regular meals to regulate your blood sugars, balanced diet with plenty of veg, plenty of fruit, plenty of protein. Um, so you may need to increase your protein. Uh, vitamin D uh, can hugely help with insulin resistance. Myo-inositol, two to four grams per day. Um, kind of aiming for whole grain carbohydrates could be a lot more beneficial. Uh, limited added sugar, higher fats. Make sure your stress and, stress and sleep are under control. So if your phone is in your room, get your phone out of your room. Decent exercise through resistance training and uh, HIIT training uh, can be beneficial. Um, if you're trying to conceive um between 70 to 80 percent of women with pcos have fertility problems so speak to a doctor or dietitian around this but it's a huge important to understand what one you're doing everything everyone's completely different but the main ones regular meals whole grain carbs fats proteins resistance training uh, are hugely hugely beneficial so but if you have so your clients anyone with pcos that's probably one thing is a lot of women with PCOS do feel like they cannot get results. So for you, what would be your then quick tips, the general tips for someone with PCOS to start seeing results on their own? What like what is the basics that you would recommend them to do? Move away from the 1200 calorie diet yes. that you're probably been put on by your coach or the 800 calorie diet, which I've heard some coaches put their clients on with PCOS. Uh, patience is huge. I think it's, it's hugely important they understand um, that it can be a little bit slower, 
Um, if you've done 1200 calories and you've got mental health issues, potentially mood is on your own antidepressants that can be hugely, um, that can have a massive player on that. So if you're using food as, as a tool for kind of soothing or kind of using to, to, to help with your emotions and stuff, working with someone on that, uh, a, th- a counselor or a therapist to help you with that, or someone actually gives a crap um, to help with you and your food and mood journal, the stuff that we talk about, having regular meals, decent protein, um, and kind of working with someone to understand more proteins, more fats, reducing your carbohydrates. They're not bad for you, but if your carbohydrates are quite high, it, you're, you, you will struggle to break it down and that can be results can be a little bit slower. So if you're, if you're kind of doing counting calories and stuff, macros or whatever it may be, um, just kind of say to yourself, give it a little, give a little bit of time. If you're staying the same weight for a little bit of time, are you actually adhering to it? rather than trying to kind of reduce it from straight from the off. Because if, you're, if you reduce it too soon, uh, I'd rather start someone on higher calories if they're counting calories, because then if they're losing weight uh, on higher calories, happy days. But if they go down too low too quickly, the only way is lower. So if you're on 1,200 calories and you're not losing weight, one, are you actually adhering to it? Um, two, are you not binging? Uh, three, are you, are you probably over-restricting yourself? And I would say more than likely you are restricting yourself leave the foods in you want to enjoy be mindful of alcohol and stuff get some stress uh, management tips and some manage your sleep damage damage metabolism is a big one that comes up as well people you know it's another word that people will say that you know they've they've got their metabolism damaged and stuff what is your quick views on that before we go so if someone's kind of like been consistently asked 800 1200 calorie diets their metabolism kind of can have slowed down and that's generally when that kind of the damaged metabolism comes in for for general population uh their metabolisms aren't damaged their metabolisms aren't slowed down completely it's just that if you've been constant consistently eating 800 1200 calorie diets or 1300 calorie diets uh your body hasn't been given a chance to break if you've been consistently dieting consistently dieting and never really give your body a chance to break uh the metabolism can slow down and if you, and a sign of that could be hypothetical amenorrhea or that you lose your cycle. Uh, it could be that you're binge eating, it could be restricting. Uh, so it's hugely important to say, right, if we slowly bring your food up a little bit, like by one or 200 calories and people will be like, well, I'm afraid to eat a little bit more. Well, the big question to ask yourself is what's more important for you, your health overall or what it says in the scales. And most people hopefully would go that it's more important for my health overall. If you're consistently at low calorie diets, you're not giving your body the food and the minerals that it wants or it deserves. You're putting yourself at risk later on in life with your osteoporosis, osteopenia, sarcopenia, you're, because you're not getting enough estrogen into your body if you've lost your cycle and your estrogen is kind of like the glue that kind of, it kind of gets the minerals and vitamins to your body. So it's hugely important for you to understand that vast majority of people haven't damaged their metabolism. But if you are consistently at very, very low calorie diets all the time, you may have kind of slowed down your metabolism a little bit. That's amazing. I guess then, before we finish then, what is your five tips you would give to any female listening to this podcast or male? Track your, or male. I was going to say track your cycle before you said the male. <laughs> uh, so then the biggest thing is to actually look at why you want to do something. Look internally, look at, ask yourself the five whys. Number two is start off slow. Start off with two or three days of either walking or resistance training, which is weight training. 
Number three is getting proper decent sleep. Um, because if you're not getting enough sleep, your hunger levels will go through the roof and your fullness hormone will stand regulate. So you'll go for a more, uh, less nutritious food. Number four, probably eat regular meals, uh, with decent veggies, proteins, fats. Uh, and the last one probably leave it in, which is leave the foods that you enjoy in life's too short with no ice cream. Amazing. I believe you're in a FEMA fat loss webinar soon. How can people find Yeah, that? I did one two months ago. I did a PCOS one last month. So the next one um, is going to be on the 7th of May, I think. So if you would click at the link in my bio, you can buy a ticket for that. It's like $20. And if you can't make it on the night, I can send over uh, the link to you when the, when the video is recorded. And uh, yeah, it was, it was amazing. It was the feedback from it was, it was nuts. I'd never done something like that before. Uh, but it was great to kind of go through and educate and the feedback was, it was amazing. Perfect. So where can people find you, Shane, to get in contact? So uh, on Instagram is at Shane Walsh Fitness. Uh, ShaneWalshFitness.com is the website. And then the podcast is the Shane Walsh Fitness podcast, which is available to download up on iTunes and Spotify. So I think, I know we told you all fair. So like Jordan Syatt's on Mondays, Beck Gillen was on last Mondays. Uh, Darren's been on yeah some of the names are just a little nuts but yeah it's it, I love it it's, it's a great way it's like a, like a form of therapy yeah. Nat it's been a pleasure and it's a lot of stuff there blew my mind but thanks for coming on it's been absolutely honour to have you on and we'll have thank you, you very again. much for having me Paul thank Amazing you so much stuff. great stuff Shane